Grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. Text for our meditation today, the Old Testament reading that we heard just a moment ago, Genesis 22, 1 to 14. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, the first commandment from which flow all the other commandments, you shall have no other gods. What does this mean? Luther teaches us that we should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. So, what do you fear? That's the question before us. What do you fear? Oh, I know sometimes we say, you know, we don't really fear God. We just honor and respect Him. But there is a good amount of healthy fear involved in the first commandment. What do you fear? For the last two years, we've been surrounded by fear, haven't we? Where were you two years ago today? I can tell you where you probably weren't, unless you were one of the six of us that were putting on the worship service. You weren't in church. Church was closed, suspended. Not only our church, churches throughout the land, churches throughout the world. Why? Because we were afraid. 15 days to slow the spread. What are you afraid of? Over the last two years, we've had a strong exercise in fear, haven't we? Oh, of course, if afraid of a pandemic, afraid of getting sick, afraid of dying, but things have changed a little bit now, things have morphed. Now, we're afraid of runaway inflation. Now, we're afraid of a mental health crisis, an opioid crisis, a suicide crisis. Now, we're afraid of war in Ukraine and hope it doesn't spread into World War III. We know all about fear, don't we? Now, there is such a thing as healthy fear. We teach our kids not to cross the street when the light is red or touch the stove when it's hot. That's a good fear. That's a healthy fear. But there are times when fear causes us to break the first commandment. When we don't fear, love, and trust in God above all things. Fear is nothing new. It's as old as Genesis chapter 3. In the 16th century, the 1500s, fear gripped most of the world, especially Europe, as a plague, the Black 
plague, the bubonic plague, reared its ugly head for over a century. Oh, it would come and it would go. There would be places where 500 people a day would die in a particular community. Some communities were completely wiped off the map. Millions and millions of people died. It was in the midst of one of the worst years for the plague in Germany, 1539, that Luther began his lectures on this section of the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 22. The day before he began his lecture on Genesis 22, he presided at the funeral for Dr. Siebold Munsterer, a very popular professor of law at the University of Wittenberg. He had died of the plague. Luther and his wife took their orphan children into his home. Fear gripped the land. Luther began his lecture this way. I am not lecturing because I want to keep you here at a time when there is fear about the danger of a pestilential plague. For if a plague is imminent, everyone who wishes should take flight especially those who are fearful. Holy Scripture commands such people to go back away from the camp, lest they make the heart of their fellows fearful. As for me, me I do not fear a raging pestilence at the present time, but believe that fear itself is the chief cause of this calamity. Fear itself kind of reminds us of FDR, doesn't it? We have nothing to fear but fear itself. Luther goes on. At this time, in the present danger of the plague, we are in a state of trepidation. It is as though we did not have the command to live and call upon God. We have a most dependable word uttered by the mouth of the Son of God. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. But who is interested in this word or pays any attention to it? Similarly, anyone can be certain about his calling from the word of God, whether it is a calling to civil life or in the church. But there is nothing we neglect more than our duty. The negligence and idleness of the government is familiar to all. The bishops and pastors remain silent like dumb dogs and do not believe that they are what they are. They strive for riches and honors, but they do not perform their tasks. Meanwhile, we complain that we lack the opportunity to do good works. We have a command that applies to us all, namely, that we should love God and fear no one, not the devil, not the Turk, not the plague, when we walk in our ways, even if our life is in danger, in accordance with the passage from Psalm 27. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. 
But who heeds this? Nobody. For nobody believes that God has commanded confidence and has condemned despair. God has commanded confidence and condemned despair. That's why Luther fought to lecture on this section of God's Word, Genesis 22. What he believed to be one of, if not the most significant sections in all of the Old Testament Scriptures. We have Abraham, who waited for decades for the promise to be fulfilled that he would have a son. And this wasn't just about Abraham and Sarah having a son to carry on the family name. Attached to this son, Isaac, was the promise that all people on earth would be saved. This was the seed promised all the way back in Genesis 3. Through this seed would come the Savior of the world. Abraham believed God. And God counted it to Abraham as righteousness. The son was here. You can imagine Abraham and Sarah thinking about perhaps wedding plans. Who would be the, who would be the young girl that would be his bride? Oh, she doesn't know what she has in store for her. She doesn't know how God has blessed this boy, this Isaac. Isaac is probably around 20 to 25 years old at this point in time, which would make Abraham about 120 or 125 when God calls to him. And God gives him a command, a command that defies logic, a command that defies seemingly the very word of God. Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and offer him as a burnt offering at a place where I will tell you to go. Can you imagine the horror? Can you imagine the fear? Can you imagine what was going through Abraham's heart and mine. Child sacrifice? That's what the pagans do. Not you, God. What do you do when what you see and what you hear and what you feel and what you reason and what you think seems so right and so true, but it's contrary to the Word of God? I'll tell you what most of us do. What I all too often do. I follow my heart, my logic, my reason. Rather than the clear word of God. Why? Because at those times I do not fear, love, and trust in God. Above all things. What did Abraham do? 
He didn't question. He didn't mope. He didn't ask for a second opinion. He didn't consult his wife. He didn't consult one of his 318 servants. He heard the word of God. And even though it defied all reason and all logic, he believed the word of God and acted accordingly. He didn't delay. He got up early the next morning. He didn't get one of his servants to do the work. No. He chopped the wood. He prepared everything by himself. He took two servants along with him. Abraham, Isaac, the donkey, and the two servants. And they began their three-day trek. Three days to the land of Moriah. Probably was less than 15 miles away. We can't imagine the three days of agony. We can't imagine how many times Abraham died to himself thinking about this command of God. We talk a, occasionally about the mortification of the flesh, giving up something for Lent. We have no comprehension of the agony and heartache for Abraham. What's he going to tell Sarah when he gets back home? That alone would cause most men to shudder. But Abraham heard the word of God. He believed the word of God. And he acted. It's clear that Abraham didn't tell Isaac what was going on. As they dropped off the donkey and the servants, and the wood was placed on Isaac's back to make the last trek up the mountain for the sacrifice, Isaac says, uh, Dad, yes, son, the fire and the knife are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering, for the sacrifice? Abraham didn't lie, but he didn't tell him the whole truth. He simply said, the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. My friends, we see not only the strong faith of Abraham, but the strong faith of Isaac. Eventually, Isaac figured out that he was to be the burnt offering, especially when the wood was laid on the altar and Isaac was secured to the altar just like a bull or a calf or a goat. He could have easily overpowered his aged father. 
but like a lamb being led to the sacrifice, to the slaughter, keep silent, so was Isaac. Abraham took the knife, ready to slit his son's throat. Again, we cannot imagine the horror of that thought. How could Abraham have gotten to this point? Abraham believed the word of God and he acted accordingly. And he reasoned, as we read in the book of Hebrews, that even if he slaughtered his son and Isaac was reduced to ashes, God's promise was so sure and certain that he would take those ashes and raise them from the dead and keep his promise that through this Isaac all people on earth would be blessed. It might not happen right away. It might not happen in his lifetime. It might not happen for a thousand years. But God said it, and it's true, and it will happen. We heard. We heard the end of our text. We heard what happened. Just as Abraham was ready to do the deed and slit his son's throat... An angel of the Lord called out, Abraham, do not lay a hand on the boy. Now I know that you fear me above all things. And at that very moment, a ram was caught by its horns in a thicket. The Lord will provide. We don't know where that ram came from. Maybe it had been there for a while and they didn't notice it. Maybe God created it right on the spot. We don't know. It doesn't matter. But the Lord provided. That ram was offered up as a burnt offering, as a sacrifice. And Isaac's life was spared. The Lord provided. My friends, it's impossible for us to play the game of, well, what would I have done if I was in Abraham's shoes? Would I have been able to go through those, those exercises are fruitless. They help no one. We live in our own time. We live with our own fears. We live in this day and this age. And we have the very same promises of God. The Lord will provide. We heard. We heard that great word in our gospel reading for today, didn't we? Jesus said... In verse 51 of John 8, Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Oh, really? I see lots of people die all the time. Lots of good, faithful Christians. 
My eyes and my ears and my heart tells me that word is a lie. But God's word says it is true and God cannot lie. God cannot lie. Whoever lives and believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. Why? Because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Whatever fears overwhelm you at times, whatever fears grip your heart, Whatever fears cause you to turn away from the one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Lamb of God, not the ram on top of Mount Moriah. That was only a, a picture of the one to come. The one who brought the once for all sacrifice, Jesus. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus came into this world, this world of fear. And he overcame that fear through his perfect life, obedient death, and glorious resurrection. Jesus Christ has paid for the sin of the world. He has paid for your sin, for my sin, for all sin, for all people, for all time. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Jesus shed His blood. He was not spared. The Father sacrificed the Son for the life of the world, for your life. For all of the times when we have foolishly been afraid. For all of the times when we have not trusted the Word of God in the midst of our fears. For all of the times that we have trusted other things more than the Word of God. Thus breaking the first commandment. For all these sins and more, Jesus has bled and died. Jesus, who was dead, now lives and reigns for all eternity. He pours out this forgiveness to you in the waters of holy baptism. He wraps you with the robe of His righteousness. He feeds you with His body and blood because He knows this life is hard. He knows this world is full of fear. He knows that the father of all lies, Satan, is constantly tempting us to not fear, love, and trust in God above all things. So He strengthens us with His Word and His sacrament and the encouragement of our brothers and sisters in Christ. My friends, God gives you a word of promise this day. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. How? The Lord will provide. The Lord has provided. Thanks be to God. Amen.
Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts, our minds, our fears, and our lives. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.